Thank you for downloading this sermon from Holy Trinity Reformed Church. If you live in the vicinity of Mooresville, Indiana, come join us as we rebuild Christ's Holy Church out of the ash heaps of American fundamentalism and evangelicalism through repentance, revival, and reformation. If you would like more information about Holy Trinity Reformed Church, or if you do not live in our area, but would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. We're going to be looking in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and this morning is just going to be the introduction. So we are introducing this aspect, even though it's a series, and even though we will be given giving some exposition of these passages here in Acts 1 and 2, we are topically looking at the Holy Spirit specifically during this season of Pentecost, because this is one of the things that we need to know for 2023, and that is in relation to the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that based upon our backgrounds, coming from Baptist and fundamentalist type of groups. This may not be the uh, topic that we want to look at, but it is one that is very important. And the reason is because many times we are so fearful of it. And as we talked about in Sunday school, we're always being um, governed by our fears, which is not a way to live. That is not living at all. As a matter of fact, that is called slavery, and Jesus came to set us free. And one of the things that is being, should be cast out is fear. And so we have this fear of this topic, just like we have fear of communion that we'll be participating in later. And we are so reactionary uh, that we allow our fears to dictate our doctrine and practices, which should not be the case. Here in Acts chapter 1, it begins by saying, as the writer of the book of Acts, who is Luke, says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them during 40 days and speaking of the things which pertain to the kingdom of God. And then, notice it says, and he assembled them together with, and he assembled together with them, and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then notice verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. King James says to the uttermost parts of the earth. Then notice verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, which had already been read, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in 
one place. And then we know the story goes on from there, how that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, on this sacred Pentecost Sunday, we gather together to celebrate the magnificent work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. We are not merely engaging in wishful thinking or empty optimism. It's... As we enter this Pentecost season, we are not merely engaging in wishful thinking or empty optimism. We are acknowledging the active, powerful, and certain work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. I know, I'm not supposed to say that, right? Because we have conditioned ourselves out of that kind of thinking. But as we enter into this season of Pentecost, we are embarking, hopefully, on a journey of discovery because the work and power of the Holy Spirit are indispensable for us in 2023. If there is any hope for the present, and if there is any hope for tomorrow, then there must be the restoration of the power of the Holy Spirit upon the church. I don't mean in play acting. I don't mean in fanciful thinking, in dress up, in faux power. I'm talking about the real, active, alive, powerful work of the Holy Spirit upon the Church of Christ. For today, due to time constraints, we can only scratch the surface of this topic. As a matter of fact, we're not even scratching the surface of the topic. We're actually just introducing it. However, over the course of the next few weeks, my hope is that you will gain knowledge, find hope and growth and confidence concerning the work and power of the Holy Spirit in these days of deconstruction. Because while these days may be marked as such in our culture, in our postmodern culture, they should not be characteristic of the Christian community. If deconstructed, we should be a people of reconstruction. If disobedient, we should be a people of obedience. If faithless, we should be a people of faith. Amidst the prevailing despair caused by the deconstruction and the imminent collapse of Western civilization, there still is hope. If we humble ourselves, repent, and turn back to the Lord, we will find that God has promised and has provided everything that we need to glorify Jesus as Lord and Christ and to advance his kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, what we need is the restoration of true, and the emphasis here is true Holy Ghost power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers his church to carry out its mission and fulfill the purpose of God. In a time when we feel weak and overwhelmed, we must recognize the true strength and effectiveness that comes from the Holy Spirit working within us and through us in the church of Jesus Christ. So today our focus 
turns to the extraordinary events recorded in Acts Acts chapter 1 and 2. These passages unveil the transformative power of the Holy Spirit and its pivotal role in empowering the church to boldly proclaim and establish Jesus as Lord and Christ to the entire world. However, these events are often misunderstood and mischaracterized by focusing on the supernatural manifestation, right? The speaking in the tongues and the clothes of fire. Like that was the ultimate end. That was the ultimate purpose. It was not. It was a means that God used at that specific time. But we like to focus on the supernatural manifestation of the means that God uses to accomplish his work of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. That is the focus, by the way, through Jesus Christ as Lord and Christ. But what does it truly mean to proclaim and establish Jesus Christ as Lord? You see, it goes beyond a mere intellectual acknowledgement or a passive acceptance of his divine authority. To proclaim Jesus as Lord is to recognize his supremacy, sovereignty, and absolute reign over every aspect of our lives. It is to confess with unwavering faith that he alone holds the power to save, to redeem, and to transform. To establish Jesus as Christ means to acknowledge him as the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one sent by God to fulfill his redemptive plan for humanity. Ultimately, it means turning the world upside down. A world that is under the curse of sin being turned upside down to the righteousness of Christ. It means filling the earth with the glory of God. It means bringing all nations to the knowledge and service of Christ. The foundation of this active work of the Holy Spirit in the evangelization of the world lies in Jesus' command to his disciples before his ascension. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commanded them to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Here we see the Holy Spirit working through the means of grace, which include the proclamation of the gospel, the sacrament of baptism, and the teaching of God's word. It is through these means that God... By the power of the Holy Spirit is reconciling the world to himself. Nevertheless, we must acknowledge that discussions about the Holy Spirit can sometimes be approached with fear. Due to a lack of understanding or because of the influence of unorthodox movements and heretical practices, the true significance of the Holy Spirit's work has been distorted and diminished. As a matter of fact, it's part of this fake world that we are living in, this this virtual mindset that we have, and we pretend, which is a lot of what these movements do, is they pretend. Makes them feel good, makes them feel important, like they're doing something when they're not accomplishing anything, right? And so, because of this, it has led to caution and unease when it comes to exploring the topic of the Holy Spirit. Many times we're like, 
Oh, we don't. That's a spooky conversation. And so, we have this caution and unease when it talks when we talk about the topic of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, just bringing it up, people might think, "Oh my goodness, is he now going Pentecostal or charismatic or whatever terms are being used today?" You see, we have caution and unease, especially as Baptists or Reformed people. It's like, yeah, we, that's the thing we don't talk about. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Yet, we must not allow these misconceptions to hinder our rediscovery of this vital aspect of our faith. It is our neglect of this topic that we have seen the loss of power by the church throughout the world, all the work that was done and accomplished in the Great Reformation has now been completely undone because we have disenfranchised ourselves, disempowered ourselves. However, in the face of these challenges, what I want us to do is to embark on this journey together with open hearts and discerning minds. Let us set aside any preconceived notions or fears and approach the topic of the Holy Spirit with a hunger for truth and a willingness to be guided by the infallible word of God. And as we do, We can rediscover the beauty and the power and the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world around us. Because that's what we want to see. We want to see effectual power transforming your life and my life and the world around us. The Holy Spirit is not a distant or mythical force. He is a person, a divine person of the triune God, equal in essence and glory with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit desires to have a real and active relationship with each believer, to empower us, guide us, and to reveal to us the deep truths of God's word. So as we open ourselves to his presence and influence, we open the door to a new level of spiritual understanding and experience. To truly grasp the promises and blessings that the Holy Spirit brings, we must cultivate an environment of prayer, seeking God's presence and guidance. Prayer becomes our lifeline, connecting us to the heart of the Father and inviting the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. It is the place of prayer that we align our hearts with God's will, surrendering our desires and agendas and making room for the Holy Spirit to lead and empower us. In other words, we must get out of the way. Furthermore, as we study scripture, we find numerous promises specifically given to the church concerning the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, made several profound statements about the work and presence of the Holy Spirit. First, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come as a helper and comforter dwelling with believers in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. The Holy Spirit 
would teach, remind, and guide them into all truth, John 14, 26, and John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit would bear witness to Jesus and empower the disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, Acts 1, 8. Additionally, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would produce fruit in the lives of believers, cultivating such qualities as love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. According to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit also bestows gifts, spiritual gifts, upon believers, equipping, equipping them for service in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And you see, these promises are not just empty words. If they are empty words, then what are we doing? Why are we here? What is it that we actually believe? What are we truly trusting in? You see, they're not empty words. They are promises that are guaranteed by the God who cannot lie. They are sure and trustworthy because they are rooted in the character of God. Our Heavenly Father cannot lie or break His promises. The certainty of God's promises rests in His faithfulness, which is unchallenging and unwavering. As we place our faith in these promises, we can have full confidence that the Holy Spirit will be at work in our lives, empowering us to fulfill the purpose and mission that he has set before us. In Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Holy Spirit is not just some idealistic notion. It is a pivotal moment in the life and history of the church. Jesus assured his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Ghost came upon them. And the Holy Ghost filled them and came upon them. And what was their promise? After Peter's sermon, calling them to account for their sin, especially in killing the Messiah and they asked men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descended upon the believers, filling them with power, boldness, and a supernatural ability to proclaim the gospel through extraordinary manifestations. Through the Holy Spirit's empowerment, the early church experienced a dramatic transformation that transformed the world. The timid and fearful disciples became fearless witnesses preaching with authority and advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which means that God, gave them, uh, to super, uh, that God gave them to supernaturally transform lives from darkness to light. They were united in purpose. They were devoted in prayer, and they experienced the expansion of the church as thousands responded to the message of salvation. The promise of the Holy Spirit is not 
just limited to the early church. It is an ongoing promise for the church today. The same Holy Spirit who empowered the disciples is available to us, guiding, empowering, and transforming us as we yield to his leading. We must hold on to this promise in faith, seeking a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work in us and through us. As we continue on this journey of exploring the work and power of the Holy Spirit, let us approach it with humility, reverence, and a deep desire to know God more intimately, which results in an empowered church. It is crucial to approach the topic of the Holy Spirit with humility, recognizing that we are entirely dependent upon God's grace and wisdom. We must set aside any preconceived notions or biases and allow ourselves to be taught by the Holy Spirit through the Word to allow us to be corrected by the Holy Spirit and to reveal His truth to us. As we open ourselves to his leading, he will guide us into a deeper understanding of his role in our lives and in the church. And of course, reverence is also, an, is, is also essential as we approach the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity, fully divine and worthy of our utmost respect and honor. We must avoid treating the Holy Spirit as a mere force or a power to be manipulated, but rather approach him with reverence, acknowledging his holiness and majesty, while also remembering the warnings about resisting him by denying the power thereof. As we delve into this topic of the Holy Spirit, let us do so with a burning desire to know God through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's primary role is to glorify Jesus Christ, to make him known, and to enable us to experience his presence and power. Therefore, our pursuit of understanding the Holy Spirit should be rooted in a genuine longing to encounter God and to be transformed by his presence. In our journey, let us also remember the importance of aligning ourselves with the truths that we discover. Faith in the promises of God, demands more than just intellectual knowledge. It requires seeking, enduring, and obeying. So as we study the scriptures and learn about the promises of the Holy Spirit, let us respond in act of faith, seeking his presence, enduring in times of testing and challenges, and obeying his leading in our lives. As we cast aside our preconceived notions and fears, relying on the infallible word of God to guide us. Through the Holy Spirit, we can rediscover the beauty and the power and the transformative work of God in our lives and the world around us. And I hope that we are going to be open to his leading, allowing him to empower us, to guide us, and to bring us into a deeper relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to a greater uh, service relying not on our own strength, but trusting that the Holy Spirit will use our obedience to powerfully impact the world around us. Moreover, the Holy Spirit's empowering work within the church includes fostering, uh, uh, includes the fostering of unity and the building 
of a strong community of believers, which is what we are studying in Sunday school. Through the Spirit's presence, believers are united as one body with diverse gifts and backgrounds, yet bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit enables believers to love one another, serve one another, and bear one another's burdens, creating a harmonious and supportive fellowship that reflects the love and unity of the triune God. In addition, the Holy Spirit guides the church in fulfilling its mission, bestowing wisdom, discernment, and guidance. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, we see the Holy Spirit speaking and directing the early church as they set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which God had called them. And the Spirit continues to provide guidance and direction to the church today, prompting believers to be engaged in specific ministries and evangelistic endeavors and acts of service according to his leading. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit empowers the church to persevere in the face of opposition, challenges, and trials. He strengthens believers to stand firm in their faith and to remain steadfast in their commitment to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul encourages believers in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How much might does God have? That, you see, what we really think about the Holy Spirit and the active and engaging role of the Holy Spirit today is really what we believe about God. So if you have a Holy Spirit with little might, you believe in a God of little might. But we are told to be strong, strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God, which includes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, the spirit equips believers with spiritual armor to engage in spiritual warfare and to overcome the schemes of the enemy because we are overcomers in Christ. We're not defeated. We're not the overcome. We are conquerors. We are victorious. And the reason why we are not, if we are not, is because we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we reflect upon the promises of the Holy Spirit to the church, we can find assurance, hope, and confidence. And that's my mission. And that's my goal. You see, the Spirit's presence and power are not limited to the early church. They continue to be active and available to believers today. Jesus in John 14, 6 assures his disciples that he will send the Holy Spirit who will be with them forever. This promise holds through, uh, true for the church throughout history, including our present time today. The Holy Spirit is the abiding presence of God within the church, guiding, empowering, and transforming lives. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us embrace the promises of the Holy Spirit with faith and expectation. Let us eagerly seek his empowerment, his guidance, and his transforming work in our lives and in the church.
May we rely on the Holy Spirit's strength and wisdom as we proclaim the gospel, serve one another, and strive for unity in Christ. And may the Holy Spirit's power and presence enable us to be effective witnesses of Jesus Christ, reconciling the world to God through the life-transforming message of salvation. Brothers and sisters, let us unite as the body of Christ and acknowledge the crucial role of the Holy Spirit in empowering the church. It is through his divine power, bestowed gifts, and Guidance that the church is equipped to boldly proclaim the gospel, to reconcile a broken world to God, and actively participate in the world of redemption. Too many times we sit around looking at the broken world and wringing our hands in despair, not realizing that's why we're here. And that is why Jesus has given unto us the Holy Spirit. is so that we can engage a world that is enslaved to sin. A world that loves darkness rather than light. It's the reason why we are here. And so, as we yield ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, may we faithfully embrace our sacred calling to proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, offering hope of reconciliation and transformation to a world that is in desperate need. Let us earnestly seek the ongoing empowerment and guidance of the Holy Spirit as we fulfill this divine mission to which we have been called. So as we begin to direct our consideration of the Holy Spirit from the sacred scriptures, let us direct our focus to Acts chapter 1 and 2. Inviting the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, to renew our hearts, and to deepen our intimacy with Him. May this exploration of the Holy Spirit's work during this Pentecost season serve to enrich our faith, empower our witness, and dispel any misconceptions that have hindered our understanding and also hindered our work. With a sense of reverence, awe, and eager expectation. As we begin to look at the work and power of the Holy Spirit, eagerly anticipating the profound revelations and insights the scriptures reveal to us about the Holy Spirit, may his presence be real and active among us. So in the midst of our deconstructed Christendom. And I did finally get the book. They didn't send it to me because I didn't send them any money. But I did get the book. I found it. Someone else had posted it online. So the Christian, or the Gospel Coalition, um, was offering a free book they'd send me in my email. So I signed up for it because it had to do with deconstruction. And um, anyway, I never got it. And then I started looking in the comments, and other people were commenting too. It's like, yeah, you don't get it if you don't give in their fundraiser. So anyway, I never did get it, but I did find it. And the reason why I was interested in it is because it is a book 
about deconstruction and to help Christians not deconstruct written by people who have deconstructed. It's amazing, isn't it? So all you got to do is just reduce Christianity down to nothing, call it Christian, and you're good. You see, most people like Joshua Harris deconstructed and said, hey, I deconstructed, I'm not a Christian anymore. Other people are deconstructing today and calling it Christian. Just proving that we will set up any kind of idol. Because our hearts are idol factories. And so they have designed their own God. But in the midst of this deconstructed Christendom that we live in today, I understand the disillusionment and the detachment many of us feel. But it is crucial to acknowledge these emotions. But we must, must not dwell solely on the discouragement. Proverbs thirteen twelve <laughs> reminds us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And many people have had hopes deferred and sick hearts. But Solomon also said, but when the desire is fulfilled, it brings life. So it is valid to feel disheartened by the prevailing foolishness, apostasy, and apathy of our day. But we must guard against skepticism and unbelief being our reaction to it. While missed opportunities may discourage us, we can't let them overshadow our trust in God's faithfulness. We must hold on to hope, knowing that God's promises endure and His Spirit is at work, even in the midst of uncertainty. So let us not lose heart. Though the road may be challenging, It may even be long. Let us continue seeking God's guidance and embracing the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Our faith and hope in Christ can inspire us to persevere, trusting that his kingdom will come and that his will shall be done. Though the realities of the world may test our faith, let us cling to the hope that our desire for a better future will not be in vain. And so as we navigate these challenges, let us remember that our hope is not merely wishful thinking, but a confident expectation in the fulfillment of God's promises. The hope, this hope empowers us to press on, to continue to strive for truth and righteousness and love, despite the obstacles that we are facing. May our acknowledgement of the present difficulties be a catalyst for positive change by channeling our frustrations into constructive action, seeking opportunities to speak truth, embody love, and bring about transformation in our spheres of influence. Instead of being disheartened, let us be motivated to shine as a light in the darkness, being agents of hope and reconciliation in a world that desperately needs it, and by seeking the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit upon us. You see, in this mission, we are not alone. The things that we are facing, we are not alone. Jesus said that he would never leave us nor forsake us that he would be with us till the end of the earth, and that he was going to send a comforter, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. 
And it is that Holy Spirit, the very presence of God within us, that continues to empower, guide, and comfort us. And as we rely on his strength, wisdom, and guidance, we can navigate the complexities of our times with resilience and faith. So together, let us press forward, confident that God is working in and through us, bringing about his purposes and restoring hope where it has been deferred and where our hearts have become sick. And may our hearts find hope in the, pr- in the promise that God is still at work, even in the midst of challenges and disappointments. Therefore, let our faith remain unshaken, knowing that God The God we serve is faithful and that his plans for redemption and renewal will ultimately prevail. The promises of God stand firm and they are independent of human faithfulness or unfaithfulness because they are rooted in his unwavering commitment to fulfill what he has declared. God's faithfulness to his promises is not contingent upon our performance Rather, it is based on the unchanging nature of his word. However, it is important for us to recognize that God accomplishes his promises through the framework of covenant. And covenants uh, covenants establish terms and conditions that govern the work and fulfillment of God's work. So, as we begin exploring the promise of the Holy Spirit... It's crucial to heed a few warnings. First, we must not allow the terms and conditions of the covenant to undermine our beliefs in God's promises. Instead, we should understand that these conditions are necessary for the implementation and realization of what God has spoken. Correction and judgment is the power of the Holy Spirit at work, and we must not resist the power. Secondly, we need to exercise caution in our interpretation and application of extraordinary means. There is a risk of misjudgment when we mistakenly perceive exceptional methods as ordinary means of achieving God's promises. It is vital to discern between the two, extraordinary and ordinary, ensuring that we do not falsely impose extraordinary expectations on what should be accomplished through ordinary means. Furthermore, it is essential not to discount or underestimate the extraordinary due to our familiarity with the ordinary. Even in an age that appears predominantly ordinary, God still works through extraordinary means. We should not diminish the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit by assuming that only the extraordinary, as we perceive or define it, is significant. The truth is that even within ordinary means, the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit is at work. Often our human intellect and self-perceived wisdom leads us to believe that we have outgrown our dependence on the supernatural when, in fact, we remain reliant upon God's extraordinary power. But most of all, I want to remind us that the same Holy Spirit who empowered the apostles in the early church is the same Holy Spirit who empowers the church today. The Spirit's role has not diminished or changed over time. Just as the Holy Spirit enabled the, pro- of the apostles to perform mighty acts that brought glory to Christ and advanced his kingdom, so too does the church possess the same Holy Spirit for the purpose of glorifying Christ and furthering his kingdom in this world. However, our challenge 
today lies in the battle against pride and skepticism. So during this time, we must examine our hearts and our motivations. So as we conclude here this morning, this introduction, where we'll be looking at the promise of the Holy Spirit, may our lives be marked by a relentless pursuit of God's presence, an unwavering faith in his promises, and a passionate commitment to live out his purpose. The Holy Spirit is our guide, our comforter, and our source of supernatural power. In his presence, we find the strength to overcome, the wisdom to discern, and the boldness to proclaim the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. And so just like in Sunday school, I said I would end with a controversial statement for you to think of throughout the rest of the week. I'll do so here again this morning. Embrace. Embrace the promise of the Holy Spirit. For in so doing, you embrace the very power of God. Father, we pray that you would help us here this morning because we are weak. We are powerless. We are in need of your divine intervention. And so, Lord, we pray that you would intervene in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, amen.